For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Almost Richard Skipper. Hello, everyone. Happy National Smile Day. Uh, here I am with my very own Princess Wow, Mindy Fratkendall, and she's here on the show today. I am so lucky to have this woman in my life. I'll tell you a little bit about her in just a moment. I am so thrilled that all of you that are here are here, and all of you who will see this later on. Today is National Smile Day. It's the last day of May. Uh, we are heading off into summer. I am very lucky to be here today. Um, I spent last night at the hospital. Uh, so I got very dehydrated yesterday. And I say this not for any sympathy, uh, but to say drink lots of water. Even when you think that you, I felt absolutely fine one minute and the next minute, I'm in an uh, ambulance on my way to the hospital. So even if you think that you're well hydrated, you're not. Drink more. Drink lots of water. That's my message for today. And now you can all uh, stick around because I've got three incredible people on the show today. First of all, I have to say that I could not think of doing this show without my dear, dear friend. And I am so happy that I can call you friend, uh, Mindy Fratkin. Uh, she is also known as uh, Princess Wow. And she has started the Smile Revolution. So when I saw that today was National Smile Day, it's a no-brainer, I called her. And uh, I said, if there's anyone that you can think of to do the show. And she said, yes, my friend Rachel Sage, who you're going to meet in a moment. And then I called my friend Brian Summers, who always makes me smile. Uh, so he's going to be on the show a little later. Uh, Mindy, what is making you smile today? <laughs> I think being on the sm your smile show, because actually... I have to say, I just found out about this day of, of National Smile Day from you because I only knew about the first Friday in October, which was started many years ago by what Harvey Bull. So, of course, I knew that. But this one I just found out from you and I looked it up and it just started in 2018 by two dentists, as you know, all this. But um, I know all I'm this. So happy I, tried, I, I, I tried to get them on the show. I could I could not locate them. Uh, I think okay. they're in uh, Chicago. Is that right? Illinois. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was it started, obviously, by two dentists. But I love the idea. Um, there are two things. You have an incredible uh, podcast series on YouTube. Uh, everyone oh, should check that you. out as well. Um, and I do uh, watch your show all the time. I just watched your episode with our dear friend Jane, which was a great, great episode. Jane uh, Applegate. Uh, yep. Yes. And you, uh, there are two things that we've learned about you. It was your father who really told you that you should smile a little bit more. Am I correct? on this and you always no, no 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 it was the last time i saw him conscious he gave me a big smile and okay. he was a week away from passing on but it was the last time i saw him conscious yes and we had a very difficult relationship 
But the last month of his life or the last three weeks, I was with him in the hospital and we had a lot of healings over the years. And then the last month he gave me all these blessings. And then when I was getting ready to leave New York to go back to do some events some uh, shows, he gave me this big smile and that smile was a, had a big impact on me. And that's how this all started. And it was 18 years ago, Richard. Wow. But, yep. you all, but one of the things that you do say is that, and, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. So you, and I know that you're going to correct me, uh, but uh, you don't naturally smile that it's something that you have to work at. And yet yeah. you've made this your whole life uh, mission. Right. It's, uh, yeah. It's, 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 yeah. Sometimes you get things hand you know, like a project because it's something you need to learn. Right. You know? And so, yeah, I mean, I used to be singing on stage, you know, with my husband Roland years ago and people, I'd be singing smile songs we wrote together and people would say, I love your songs, but you're not smiling. And I'll be like, oh, okay. And so it's, but I also say it's about giving and receiving smiles, but I need to learn how to smile more because I grew up like depressed a lot and with a lot of emotional problems. And I've still been working on overcoming. I've overcome a lot over the years. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. However, it's still a process for me learning about smiling more for myself. Well, the other thing that I love, there's so many things that I love about you, Mindy. What, who, who could not love Mindy Fradkin? Let's just start there. That should be oh. the title of your book. Who could not love Mindy Fradkin? Oh, that's sweet um, of you. I, I'm an Aquarian. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are, you know, one of our symbols uh, is the rainbow, uh, the Wizard of Oz. Uh, you know, my ruby slippers are here on the other side of the uh, aisle. I, uh, I'm all about rainbows and everything. And you truly are a walking, talking, breathing rainbow because you're, look at you, you uh, colors, colors, colors vibrate throughout you and you know based on the little that i've known and learned about rachel who we're going to meet in a few moments uh she also vibrates with all these colors and everything when did that start for you well uh i'm trying actually i'm trying to think about it. if i started in childhood i'm not sure i was always into clothes and i always loved color i, I grew up in a bright color green room, designer room that my mother decorated and everything. I grew up around color and Peter, Ma I was always inspired by Matisse, Matisse, the artist with all his bright colored paintings and I, and uh, other artists. Um, so I think I was inspired. I had it all around me. And then I don't know. I know when I left LA, I, when I came to New York, um, I saw everybody was in black and I, I was wearing black too. But then I don't know. I just one day went into a wig. I was always love wigs. So I went into a wig shop and got a turquoise wig and I started wearing it in New York. And then I started making hats and I was like, you know, started dressing in a lot of colors when everybody wore black. And it got me on TV on Good Day New York several times and the New York Times and big article. Yeah, I got all this publicity, but I did it just because I couldn't stand all the black. So. That's what I really remember most is and I just got into wearing all these colored wigs. And before everybody else, I was had pink hair and people would say, oh, you were the first one to wear colored hair. And you live in Woodstock. And, you know, and I do believe that uh, 
Woodstock, that area is enchanted. I do believe that there are gnomes and genies and all kinds of things. I, I don't live, I'm in Woodstock right now. I don't live in Woodstock. I used to, I live in Newburgh, but I used to live in Woodstock and I'm right now in location in Woodstock today talking to you. So what, what are you doing in Woodstock today? Oh, I, I have to do something for my church. So I actually was up here. And uh, so I, that's why when you asked me to do this today, I'm like, okay, well, I'm up here anyway. So I'm on location. I'm not actually at home right now. Uh, so what's, uh, so what are you currently working on that you want to tell everybody about? Okay, well, right now, I just actually, I was in London in April performing my new, I was a previewing. It wasn't a premiere. It was previewing my new one-woman show called Woodstock or Bust, How a Hat Designer Started a Revolution. And I've been working on that with my director. And uh, I just, I, I mean, I'm part English and I've always been obsessed with anything English my whole life. And I have a lot of friends in Color Walk. I think you know about the Color oh, Walk yes, in London. Yes. So I have a lot of friends in London and I'm totally obsessed with my friend. I love my friends in London. I love any, anything English. So I said, you know what, since the pandemic and everything, you know, I've been wanting to go to London for day, for so long. I've been there once many years ago. And I'm like, you know what? I've been working on this new show. And my, I said, you know, I think I want to do it in London. And my director said, you know, do, let's, you know, find a theater and do it. So that's what I did. I, I just, um, and I'm playing the ukulele and I'm storytelling. Like it's kind of, it's autobiographical. I'm really like revealing a lot of things from like growing up in like kind of like a quirky comedy way. And then I'm also doing smile, original smile songs and a song called beige that my friend John Cruth wrote. That's hysterical that his mother always wore beige and, you know, it's, it's like really funny. And then I do a hat performance. I call it a hat happening at the end. My third section of my show is a hat happening where it's interactive. I put hats on people and wigs and glasses and I dress them up. It's kind of like, you know, dress up, you know, like kids like to dress up. Well, adults do too and transform their look. So it's really fun. So it ends with like a whole hat happening. Well, we're going to bring on our next guest in just okay. a moment. But one of the things that I like to do is I always have these mystery questions. Uh, I have three cards laid out that I did not look at before the show. So I don't know what the cards uh, hold, uh, like a tarot card game almost. Uh, so you pull a number one through three. And let's see where this takes us. This is like challenging, Richard. I know you always have like a little bit difficult questions. <laughs> All right, we'll do, my favorite number is three. So we'll do three. So I don't know what's going, it, it, it says, okay, uh, well, you just said the word challenge. As I take on new challenges, I feel calm, confident, and powerful. Um, well, you just took on this new challenge of taking a show to London. Uh, were you uh, confident and calm and powerful um, or were you just the opposite of all that? Well, it was a huge project just going overseas, uh, preparing for my new show, and it was a lot of work. However, uh, I love London so much. I feel very at home there. I can't wait to go back. I have so many friends. I made all these new friends. I had a blast. And the show was great and we had fun and it was like, it was just like the best week of my life. So I was very confident and calm and um, I just had a blast. That's great. Well, you'll let us know when you're going to be doing it here. Well, I'm doing something at Pangea, but I, I'm going to be doing something at Pangea, but um, we're working on the date. Okay. I hope yep. it's tonight that I can be there. So when I reached out to you, uh, I said, name one person, one person. 
that you would like to invite to be on the show. And you said Rachel Sage. Why that one person? Well, she's a new friend of mine. We met recently at an art party in Beacon and she and I just like clicked right away. I mean, she's very colorful and like she loved my, you know, all my colors and I loved all her colors. And like we immediately had to have a picture, you know, it's like she's very, and she's highly creative and she's, I love her music. Richard, I I don't know if you've heard her music. She's an incredible singer songwriter. I'm sure you have. And she's just very special and she's a painter and she's all about color like me. And it was just so great to meet her. And like, you know, we've been in touch a lot and it's like, she's in England. So I'm like obsessed. She's in England most of the summer on tour. And I just thought, well, nine o'clock, if it's four o'clock here, I thought nine o'clock, somebody in England would be perfect to be on the show. So that was my first thought was her. And it just worked out. She wasn't performing tonight. And let's bring her on. Here she is. Rachel. Hello. Hello. Hi. That was such a lovely introduction. Thank you, Mindy. And it's so great to meet you, Richard. Yeah, it's it's a thrill to meet you because I've been delving into your world and uh, which is also I mentioned earlier, the Wizard of Oz uh, resonates so deeply with me and rainbows and everything. And I have to ask you, Rachel, did you grow up as a as a young girl in a colorful world or it was a black and white world? You know, I don't think it was either one strictly. I can identify enormously with that hilarious song that Mindy performs uh, about everything being beige because it, I don't know if it was like a seventies thing, but Maybe. my mom just wanted everything beige in our house. Like the living room, the dining room table was beige and God forbid you should put anything on it. It would stain, you know, the, the carpet to every room in our house was beige. We had to take off our shoes everywhere. Like we had to be so careful. And the furniture was like beige ultra suede. And yet on the flip side, my mother and my father are both very colorful people in their own attire. They're not afraid of color at all in arts. And as you mentioned, Matisse was a big influence on me and my family as well. Mm -hmm. So everything from pop art, um, Keith Haring to Matisse to Miro, um, we all loved color in fashion and in art, but for some bizarre reason, my mother's home was just like beige everywhere. And my school uniform was like, an ugly dark hunter green and yellow socks. And it was just like, no. So the minute I had that autonomy to dress however I wanted at sleepaway camp, actually, it was all rainbows and hearts and stars. And I haven't really looked back since. I love that. Now, um, where did you grow up, first of all? Uh, I grew up in Connecticut and also um, in Port Chester and Rye. So, um, you know, I was always near New York, a train ride away and, from as young as I can remember, we would go in on Saturdays and um, go down to the village and walk through Soho. And then when I was a pre-teenager, my ballet studies became quite serious and I ended up attending School of American Ballet for a number of years. So I would take the train myself, which seems kind of crazy now, like what parent puts their 11, 12-year-old kid on a train from Connecticut and then they come back late at night. But we did it and it seemed totally normal in the 80s. Um, And it was an incredible way to grow up. And what did your father do? I mean, when you said that your father was very colorful, my father, I mean, my father was a blue collar man and all of his, he had a closet full of uniforms and they were all the same color. I never saw my father Mm. deviate from that. Uh, What was it like? uh, I, I mean, having 
a, a father who did love colors. Well, you know, I wouldn't say that he was colorful, but he's a colorful character mm-hmm. and he does also love art. Like my mom, they both love modern art as well as Judaica. Um, so we were always surrounded by museum-esque things that we didn't quite understand. And some of them were sort of boring to us, but then it would be explained like, well, you know, honey, this is a ketubah from a thousand years ago, or, you know, this is something your cousins brought over from the old country and was almost taken away from them by, you know, the Nazis. Or I mean, it was always like very heavy, this connection between art and expressiveness and why we should, of course, here comes the Jewish guilt, why we should never take for granted the ability that we have to be expressive and to voice our opinions and to, to express ourselves through visual that's media. Jewish as guilt well. is good. That's yeah, good. I guess so. Motivational. Yes, that's like your, your grandfather sacrificed so much. You, you have to oh, do yeah. what you have to, you know, it's like, this right, is what yeah. you were born to do is your mission. Um, and from a very young age, um, I was very much encouraged with music and art, even though my family is not particularly musical. Um, I don't know about you, Mindy, but my dad can barely carry a tune, but they love music. So when I say colorful, like I recently learned only a couple of years ago that my dad sold beetle wigs as like a hobby. Oh, my God. I had one. I have one, too. It's hanging on my wall. It's creepy and awesome. And he took it upon himself after reading it in like a magazine and growing up in Long Island, like a kid in Long Island, he was like, nobody's distributing these here. I'm going to write to this company and see if I can be the Long Island rep to sell these, you know, That's amazing. That is hysterical. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> funny, a couple of weeks ago, and I got to get this guy on your show, Mindy. Uh, have you had Charles Rosenay on your show? Charles Who? Charles Rosenay. No. He is, I, I mean, he has written books about the Beatles. He mm-hmm. uh, was on, uh, he had a magazine about the Beatles. Uh, he has hobnobbed with the Beatles, uh, but he has this incredible book called The Top Ten List. And he was on the show a few weeks ago, and I've got to get him on your show. And oh, I'm, so all I need to do is say, Charles, do my show, and he's going to okay, say, thank you. you know, it would be a great show. Speaking of Beatles wigs. Um, Rachel, I always like to go back to, I, I always say the five year old self because the mm-hmm. five-year-old self is um and this is something that is really resonating me in today's world we're living in because mm-hmm. kids are so much being politicized um right. in schools these days and are being told who sh- they should be and who they shouldn't be um there are uh I'm not getting political folks, but there are laws on the books now where certain things cannot even be discussed in schools anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, The kids, books that kids cannot read, music that they cannot listen to, artists that they cannot uh, even look at statues uh, in certain schools. Um, When you were five years old uh, and the world of art is circling around you, did you have a sense of who you were or where you felt that you wanted to go in the world of your artistic 100%. Career? I think I might have had more of a sense at five than I even do now. I mean, I really remember it. I remember my memories of being three, four, five. Um, when I was five, I remember begging my parents to go to sleepaway camp, even though I was too young by a year. But my sister was eight years old and she wanted to go away to camp and 
I was just so determined. I begged and begged and begged. And by that point, it was kind of clear that I was five going on 40, you know. I was like always just listening and reflecting and being very philosophical. I was like a little baby rabbi. And this is just how I always was. So my mother would tell me very grown up things and confide to me for better or worse, you know, her grown up problems. Um, And they ended up letting me go. So I remember being five years old at Camp Madpanai, youngest kid in the camp. And they would make us write these letters every week to our parents just to let them know we're okay. And I would start mine off like, dear mom and dad, they're making me write this letter. I don't miss you, but I love you. I'm having a great time. See you in eight weeks. I was happy to be free and to be able to do things like write songs with the counselors for a thematic Friday night assembly kind of event or play a song at the talent show on the piano or do gymnastics or make up a dance or, you know, it was just the complete opposite of school school, by which point I was already being bullied because I was a little bit different and weird and left school early to go to ballet. Can can anyone explain that to me? What is fear? What is it that causes people to want to bully someone because they want to be themselves? It's, I think there are certain types of personalities that just see it as an opening to, you know, gather their own power when they see someone else who's vulnerable and I don't think it was only because I was different. I think it was because I was different. And like you were driving at, I seemed to know who I was mm-hmm. and have a very strong sense of that. And because it, I don't know, because it, it may be translated as a kind of confidence mm-hmm. that just, well, I don't know, that wasn't cool. And, you know, you were either like a popular kind of, powerful person at that young age or you were like a meek follower who was intimidated and I was sort of in between I was just like I don't know I want to play piano and make up dances and you know try to get the lead in the little baby play and you know mm-hmm. and and none of this somehow sat even at that young age like on that range of what everybody else seemed to want to do, which was to be liked or to wear the right thing or have the best party or, you know, it just, I didn't really care about any of that. And I never really have. It's always been about serving what I think is my purpose in this world. And I even remember having a sense of that at five years old. I remember coming home from seeing Broadway shows and with every experience that I had or an off-Broadway show or, you know, whatever, um, Israeli dance at the community center, you know, I would come home and sort of gather my own sense of, well, that was amazing. Like, what can I do to be part of this artistic conversation? And, you know, it was either that in a very idealistic way or in maybe a less idealistic way, watching Solid Gold on television and wanting to be on that. You know, it was the Mm -hmm. wide range of like really commercial or, fine art. And I'm so grateful that I had that awareness from a young age that that range did exist, that it was all sort of for the exploring. Um, And yeah, it could be my best friend. I love that. Well, I'm going to let you pick uh, your own mystery question. It's one or two. And then I've got another question and it will lead to our next guest. So one or two. 
one. And your question is, uh, what's the statement? It says, share something vulnerable with someone you care about to deepen your connection. Share something vulnerable with us when it, about oh. your art uh, with Mindy and I that you've never oh, shared wow. with before. Well, let's see. Um, <laughs> something vulnerable about my art. I feel like all my art is vulnerable, <laughs> so it's almost redundant. Um, but, you know, it's just, it was interesting to me. Mindy was talking about her show and adults liking to dress up and that third portion of her show where she brings her hats into the mix. And I don't know how vulnerable this is, but I remember it feeling like a bit of a leap and I never quite knew what would happen. When I performed at Edinburgh Fringe a number of years ago, I did a show called Stop Me If I'm Quetching. Um, which was all about different varieties of complaining and, and how that manifested culturally. And then I did another show, um, Sequins and Spiel. And I remember for that show, I also, I like brought out all these clothes and I would put them on the audience and dress them up. And oh God, I, love I was it. thinking about that when Mindy was relaying that, how different that is to do that now post COVID mm-hmm. and with the, um, complete absence of the type of intimacy we used to just take for granted between virtual strangers and and medium friends, you know, cl- not close friends, where we would automatically hug and and kiss on the cheek or at a show, you know, go right up to someone and throw a schmata over their shoulders if if you're me or Mindy, and that now that would feel like quite a vulnerable thing because you never know how anyone's going to react. And it's almost like you would need some kind of disclaimer or warning to do that. Um, you know, it's, very, it's very interesting that you're saying that because, um, and uh, uh, our next guest uh, is uh, one of my musical directors and we've traveled mm-hmm. uh, the country together and, uh, and he that can tell you more than anyone that that's very much what my shows are like. Um, one of the reviews that I got many years ago was it was almost as if I went out and fluffed everyone's pillow and made sure that they were comfortable because it, to me, it's always about the, the connection with me and the audience. And it sounds to me as if both of you have that in spades and that it's very much a part of uh, what your shows are about. Um, it sounds to me as if the moment that you two met, you knew that you were friends. And, uh, and, and I do believe in soul contracts and I believe that they exist. <laughs> and I certainly believe that with, uh, with our friend, Brian, who I'm going to bring on in a second, um, years ago, and this is going back, uh, uh, 30, uh, three years ago, uh, Brian and I, uh, we, I went to see a concert. Brian was sitting in front of us. He turned around and he says, I know you. He had seen me on stage. Oh, and, wow. uh, then he, um, invited uh my then partner and my and uh uh danny who we've been together 34 years he invited us to his home um and brian i'm going to bring him on while i talk about this brian used to throw these magnificent parties that were like something out of um an mgm movie where everybody would sit around it wasn't about the food it wasn't about the drink it was about the song and everybody would stand around uh, brian is a brilliant uh, pianist everyone would stand around the piano and everybody would sing and uh julie wilson would be there or uh, uh, kendall standish 
Diana Templeton, uh, and then getting myself up to thing and feeling comfortable in that environment when I didn't know anyone in that room. And we've been friends ever since, and we've uh, worked together. We've been on the road together, and uh, you know, and these things that Rachel just says are things that, as I am just starting to branch out again and to start to do live theater again, those things I never even thought about that I have to start thinking about now. And you know that, Brian, that, that's yes. a, a part of what uh, our shows are about. But I want to ask you, Brian, what has made you smile either today or this month as we wrap up this month? Well, I will tell you, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in Virginia and have been since about September because my mother is 98. Mm. And when you're when you're a caretaker for a 98 year old, uh, every day is an, a new adventure. You never know what's going to come out of her mouth or what she's going to do or what she thought that I said that I didn't say. And she hears something else and she answers me with the craziest thing. I oh. said, what are you talking about, Mom? I didn't say that. And plus, she's hard of hearing. Oh, wow. Well, you know, I yeah. saw this morning uh, a whole thing on uh, television um, that Rosalind Carter has been uh, diagnosed with dementia. dementia. And this uh, psychologist did a whole breakdown of how we respond to people living with dementia and how we should respond to them and how we should not respond to them. Mm. And it, it's very bad, for example, to interrupt them saying, uh, don't you remember I said this? Or, uh, you know, I've already said that. Uh, they said it's very jarring to them to keep doing that. And, uh, you know, and uh, I had this conversation with um, Andrea Marcovici when she was dealing with her mother with uh, uh, dementia. And she said that her mother would get dressed at night, uh, expecting her father, who had been gone many, many years, to come walking through the doors. And I said, well, maybe she is experiencing something on a level that the rest of us don't even know about. Let her experience it. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, what is the harm in us going along with the ride, you know, and, uh, and allowing them, especially at 98 years young, she's earned the right to do whatever makes her happy. Well, I, I kind of treat her like my daughter uh, mm -hmm. because I humor her. I go with the flow. I never know where the flow is going to go that day. Today, she got up at 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I've already had lunch. I said, Mom, wow. what do you want for breakfast? It's 3 o'clock. So you kind of go with it, you know? I said, would you like a waffle? Would you like scrambled eggs and bacon? So I saw the time on the clock, and I said, oh, my God, i got to be on Richard's show at 4. I better hurry this up, hurry up. Get her to eat and get her in her seat and turn on the TV and say, Mama, I'm going to be on that TV in about a half an hour. So you be ready. Be looking at the screen because I'm in the kitchen here in my mother's house in Virginia. <laughs> so, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. But, Richard, you're right. You know, it, you can't, like, be uh, like a, a like a, a parent, uh, you know, talking to a child that is cognizant of what they're doing because sometimes my mother's not. She asked me, where's Mama? I said, Mama. I said, Mom, Grandma died, you know, years ago. And she, and she has this look on her face like, oh, 
No. And then she says, uh, when are we going back to my house? I said, Mama, you are in your house. This is oh. where I grew up as a little boy. So it's very sad to see these changes, especially at 98. You know, they got she was really good until about 95, 90, 94, I would say. But oh. my father, my father died seven years ago. So my mother was 90 when he passed. So kind of going through that with him, she lost 20 pounds and Kind of after that, she was never the same. I think it was a traumatic event for her. Of course, you know, it was for all of us, but certainly. Well, again, I think that when, uh, you know, the best thing uh, is just to go with the flow. And uh, and think of it as this uh, magnificent adventure that you are allowed to be a part of. Well, you know, uh, I, I think that you're right. You, know? you sound like quite a mensch and quite a son. My goodness. Well, yes, you know, I live in New York usually at 27th and Lexington. So to come down here and especially after going through what I went through with getting my apartment back, my landlord was a condo developer and he wanted to kick me out of my rent stabilized apartment because, you know, he could charge $1.9 for my apartment all redone. And so I fought that for six years, and I oh. finally put it back, and here I am in Virginia. <laughs> Not even hardly. I, I have to tell you, Brian lives in this apartment, beautiful apartment, and uh, this they wanted Brian out of the apartment, and they literally built around the entire building while Brian stood his ground and said, yeah. I'm leaving, and he, I don't know where you found the fortitude, to be able to stay there as the, your world was crumbling around you, and I mean literally and figuratively, um, the entrance of the building is a completely different entrance from what it was yeah. when I went to it. Exactly. Now when you come to my address, it's joined with another building next door, and they've got one huge 30-foot ceiling sort of lobby and with a huge lobby as opposed to the way it used to be. But I still kind of miss the way it used to be because – Life was more carefree then. Now we've got a concierge and we've got doormen and we've got so much staff and everything. Of course, you know, Christmas comes every year. And so they're always looking for that. You're thinking, how much should I give this year? What can I afford? So uh, it, it's, uh, it's a different lifestyle now. So well, anyway. uh, tell them they have to remain, ha uh, they have to be good to you uh, for, to keep those Christmas gifts going. So yeah. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to ask you the remaining question and then we're going to okay. have fun. I hope it's fun for all of you. Uh, and I'm going to pull off uh, pull up my uh, special holiday calendar and we'll talk about some of the other holidays that are happening today. Okay. The question for you is to get something off your chest in a loving way. This is your chance to do it. And make us all smile while you do it. <laughs> well, I have a crazy brother. And when I say a crazy I brother, I, no, I don't think so. I don't even think he can get, I don't even think he has Wi-Fi where he's at. Uh, <laughs> that is crazy. <laughs> he, lives 30, he lives 35 minutes from my mother. And I live 300 miles from my mother. Oh. So, you know, it's a big, it's not like I can go out to my house 35 minutes away and check my mail. I have to like, okay, Tony, the mailman, you know, here's a 20, you know, send me my mail in two weeks because I need to pay bills and all that. Um, so, but it's easy for him, but you know, he's just not the sort of uh, warm, cozy, fuzzy guy that I am. And he doesn't have the endurance to deal with, you know, 
uh, what I deal with more easily. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't, he's a real character. It's like people have met both of us and they said, well, I can see the physical resemblance, but you'd never know that you came from the same family. And so, you know, this, I guess there's there's a lot of families like that with one sibling so opposite of the other. Mm-hmm. And my brother's more of a tinkering with tools and the yard and all that sort of stuff. And I'm all like, well, build the house and I'll decorate it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I decorating is more fun. So I will explain to those who don't know, my show, Richard Skipper Celebrates, uh, came about, I started out years ago writing a blog. And when I first started writing the blog, someone came up with the title, Richard's Rants and Raves. And then someone said, you're always raving, but you're never ranting. And I believe there's enough ranting in the world. And uh, and if I'm going to rant, I'm going to rant privately, as I do with Brian from time to time. Uh, but why do it in a public forum? Uh, I want to celebrate. And I believe that each and every day is to be celebrated. And there's actually a uh, calendar, Celebrate Every Day. And uh, I want to talk about some of the holidays in addition to today being National Smile Day. And I'll start with you, uh, Mindy, um, today is Autonomous Vehicle Day. And uh, I want to ask, with all of your colors, um, what is the most unique car that you have ever owned? Uh, And did you name her or him? Because some people name their cars. Um, And what was the closest relationship that you've ever had with a vehicle that you've owned? Okay, well, let's see. I had a uh, PT Cruiser. And uh, it was uh, dark blue, but it was, I decorated it with big flowers. I got stickers from the 60s. A friend of mine just handed me these stickers, original from the 60s, the big flower power stickers. So I put them on the car and then um, I put a big, it was like a peace sign. And then uh, I think I did, I think I painted some, I don't know. I just, the whole car, oh, I used to paint my windows. Okay. So I used to put smile quotes on my windows. So I got, um, you know, markers for the, for glass. And I would paint, you know, like uh, peace begins with a smile, Mother Teresa, you know, the smile revolutions on. I don't know. I would have like these smile quotes on the back of my car and on the side windows. And somebody said, is that legal to do like on the, on the back side windows? I think it is. No, nobody ever stopped me. No policeman stopped me. So I did that for years, actually, on, on different cars. But that PT Cruiser was like the grooviest, I think, of my cars. I'm glad well, you got that question because I don't drive. Your question is, believe it or not, Rachel, today is also Macaroon Day. Um, do you bake? Are you, do you like macaroons? Or oh, You're hitting a, ner- a soft spot here because since my, I'm actually a cancer thriver. And since my recovery, I don't eat any sugar, like at all. But you. I'm always missing it. I love baked goods. I love candy. I like growing up, of course, I was a slender little ballerina and you were always on a diet, but my diet was like gummy bears and Diet Coke because I just had such a sweet tooth. Uh, My bat mitzvah theme was candy. My sister in her spare time uh, has a hobby of baking. So her name's Elizabeth. She's a wonderful writer. And so she would enter these um, like craft shows in Brooklyn and as Lizzie's lollies and bring baked goods and chocolate covered everything. 
So certainly I, I dream about macaroons, but I don't really eat them anymore. Well, uh, you can always give them away. That's the good thing. That That's so them. true. And I do. Yes. That's yeah. great. Happy early Hanukkah. So, Brian, today is also, this is, and this is a, a, a strange one, but it's important. Um, it's Necrotizing Fasciitis Awareness Day. Are you aware of necrotizing fasciitis? Uh, I'm aware. You're talking about on the bottom of the feet? Well, it's, it's a flesh-eating disease. Oh. And, um, and, oh, God. Uh, no, but I, I bring this up seriously oh, because my director, Jeff Batson, died of this. Oh, what? my God. Yes, yes. And it's interesting oh. that this pops up today. Uh, but yeah. you, I don't know. If, did you know Jeff Matson? I knew the name. I knew the name. He directed one of my earlier Carol shows, and uh, he uh, and he went into the hospital. He got a staph infection. That's how you get it, and uh, and he died shortly after that. With that, no, oh, that's horrendous. And what's the name of it? Plantar necrotizing fasciitis. I'm gonna have to look it up. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. And uh, so it is Awareness Day, so I'm bringing... Stay hydrated and stay out of the hospital. Yes, yes. And I will drink the bed, Rachel. Okay, I'm having some water, too. I'm changing my glasses just because I think we need, like, a palate cleanse after Oh, I love it. I love that. So, Mindy Fratkin, today is also Save Your Hearing Day. Oh, that's very important. So, anything you want to say about that, Mindy? Save Your Hearing Day? Yes. Uh, my hearing's good, thank goodness. And uh, when you get to be a certain number, you start getting ads and like, um, you need hearing aids or something like that. And I'm like, oh God, it's like, well, not everybody has problems with their hearing, but. I wear earplugs every night, so. Huh? I said, I wear earplugs every night just to block out noise. So I always have them on me. So if I am ever at a really loud concert, I'll put them in, but I mainly use them just to like shut out street noise at night. Oh, no. oh that's a good idea. And uh, Rachel, today is also Senior Health and Fitness Day. See your Senior Health and Fitness Day. Oh, how apropos because I began today by doing a little light yoga. Um, let's see, what else can I say about health and fitness? When I'm on the road, my favorite form of exercise is just to walk and walk and walk and walk. And as Me Mindy too. knows well, London is the best place to do that besides New York. Yeah. Um, and I'm in Brighton right now, which is also a lovely city to oh, walk. Brighton. Oh, wow. yeah. Have you been to the palace over in Brighton? I always think of on a clear day you can see forever. That was yes. there. Take pictures and send them to me. It's oh, I, I will. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we've already mentioned it's uh, uh, it's Smile uh, Day, and um, and uh, today is also Utah Day because Utah oh. Day became a state on this day. So, Brian, did you uh, have any of you ever been to Utah? I've never been. No, mm -hmm. they tried to, like to go. Me. They tried to convert you. They actually really did. These two cute little ladies, they came to my gig. I thought they were super into my work. They were like, I just love your writing. I just love your melodies. And, and you're Jewish, aren't you? And I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm glad it's connected with you. And then it didn't even deter them that I'd been like so Yiddish-kite in my show, which I am. 
And they just came right up to me and they handed me the book. And they were like, we would like to give you a gift. Please come visit us tomorrow at, you know, at the Mormon Tabernacle, blah, blah, blah. You know, and my tour manager and I were just like, wow. And, and But we, we actually went and they gave us a tour of the whole church because I was interested in just yeah. like connecting those dots of like what gave these ladies the chutzpah to think that they could convert wow. a big Jew like me. And, yeah, it was a very, very interesting experience. So I, I pulled some questions today on, on the creative process based on my own readings and research this week. And I'm going to start with you, Mindy. And uh, we are wrapping up May. And I'd like you to tell us um, about some big moments, memories, or favorite uh, things that you're going to carry with you from this past month that we just had. Well, I was given a gift of this amazing book about creativity. Has anybody heard about it? It's a new book. It's a New York Times bestseller by Rick Rubin, who's the most um, fam- one of the most famous record producers. Anyway, um, it's called... I can't remember the exact title, something, the creative act. I don't know. I can't remember the exact title, but it's by Rick Rubin. And uh, it's really good. It's really been helping me a lot. And it's very kind of metaphysical about creativity. Wow. And it's really, I highly recommend it to any, well, he says every, we're all creative, everybody's creative. But he, the way he puts all his chapters about, I don't know, it's just, it's hard to explain it. You just have to like, look, go look it up on Amazon and maybe, I think you can read a little bit of it. Like a he has a documentary as well. I can't remember if it was on Netflix, but it was excellent. His, uh, yeah. Well, I saw something on Amazon. I think there was some music documentary and he was in it. It's like, I know he's, it's, I, yeah, maybe it's his, I don't know if it's his, whatever. The point, I did see him online recently. He lives in Malibu. He's barefoot all the time. And he's yes. an interesting character. And this, this is his first book. So um, anyway, so I just got the book recently in May. And it, it really is helping me a lot. man who has spent the past 25 years barefoot? That sounds like him. Wow. Because it was an article in the New York Times recently about a man who has spent 25 years barefoot. And he refuses to wear shoes. Very interesting story. That brings up a very interesting question that I'm going to ask you, Rachel. Um, everybody's creative, but do you believe that every person is an artist? Hmm. I believe that every person has the capability to be an artist, but I believe that being an artist is somewhat of a, a choice and um, it's in the doing. So um, I think as kids, we absolutely all are. Um, but obviously there are life circumstances that really deplete and limit that ability and that, that energy for a lot of human beings on this planet. And, you know, anything from just poverty to war-torn environment. Pins to run for president from Alexa News. Alexa, stop. That was exciting. Hi, Alexa. Um, but yeah, no, so I, I think, yeah, right. Um, I think it, it's part of our mission as artists is to inspire other people to re-embrace um, those impulses and realize that they can be if they'd like to be. And who wouldn't want to be an artist, right? 
absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, Brian, I don't know if you watch or listen to other podcasts or shows, but if you do, and I hope you do, um, is there a particular podcast you absolutely love that we want to give credit to today? We would love to be on their show. Well, let me see. I don't know if Michelle Obama's uh, available, uh, but I have been listening to hers recently and her imparting of her feelings and knowledge on certain topics and everything. It's really good. You should look it up. And uh, I, I don't know of anybody, uh, but if I put my hat on, maybe, maybe. Depends on the subject that you that you well, want to cover. I would love to be on her show as well. Uh, I'd love to see you on it. You'd be great. And Mindy, who would be a dream guest for your show? A dream guest. Um. Actually, this is just coming to my thought. I mean, actually, I'm on Facebook with him. Well, my first crush when I was a kid was Mark Lindsay from Paul Revere and the Raiders. And he had a ponytail. And I just always had this huge crush on him. And I actually met him in L.A. years ago. And uh, it's a long story what happened with that. But anyway, I was waitressing at the time. I don't want to get into that story. But anyway, he, I'm on Facebook with him. But, I mean, I, I don't really talk to him or anything. But it would be kind of fun to have. He's in his 80s now. But it would be kind of fun to, like, have him on my show just because he was my first. I want you to reach huh? out to him today. Huh? I want yeah. you to reach out to him today. <laughs> well, I mean, I, he doesn't see the thing is he doesn't check messenger he's not on he's already said i don't check you're messenger put, you're, you're putting up uh you're putting up uh boundaries in a, i'm reading a great book that i highly <laughs> recommend everyone called the uh the four agreements i know that book and i've read that I, book, actually, yeah. teach, I teach a, a a book club on this book that's our that's the book that we're reading now mindy was in our book club for a while and uh one of the agreements is don't make assumptions okay. and so don't make assumptions yes and don't ask don't get that's another okay. one i like all right <laughs> so, i might have to get his email or something so well, he does have a radio him. show on siri so, he has a radio show now absolutely reach out to him today and let me all know right. how it goes uh so rachel i want to ask you a favorite audience other than the two ladies trying to convert you in utah um i'd like a favorite audience interaction that you've experienced favorite audience interaction ah well this is sort of a quirky one a few years ago there was a tv show called dance moms i don't know if you guys have heard yeah, of it. Oh, yes. Miller. and they started using my music inexplicably i'll just cut to the chase they ended up using like a ton of my music like 22 songs and i I had this wonderful kind of reunion with dance on this crazy show where there was a lot of bad behavior, but the kids were just incredible dancers. And I had kind of put my dance history aside, but it brought me back to it. And at one point I played this cute little art gallery in LA and Abby Lee Miller and the dance moms and their little kids all came to hear me. And a bunch of the kids started like standing up and doing like their whole, all their moves to some of the songs that had been on the show, like in the audience. And it was just the coolest thing because I'm playing and I'm just like, with my little amp in this art gallery. And there are these, you know, they're kind of superstar kids and they're all dressed up in their party dresses and they came to hear me play with their moms and just dancing around. And I just have this amazing memory of that because it was really 
a fun night for me. Well, I'm glad you shared that. That's a positive memory <laughs> from that show. Yeah, there absolutely. Were, there were unfortunately a that's lot of negative, cool. show, but that's a that's a very yeah. good one. Um, so, Brian, when you started in this business, um, did you, you know, I asked Rachel earlier as her five-year-old self, that she have a sense of where she wanted to go. And I know that you grew up in Virginia. Being five-year-old uh, Bruce, if you don't mind my saying that, in, uh, in Virginia, uh, did you have a sense of where you wanted to go with your life? Anywhere out of this town. <laughs> and you There's might know that title. feeling, Richard. You <laughs> might know that feeling. Because oh, I, I had a feeling like, okay, well, everybody here treats me well enough. But, you know, it's like, where do you go here? I mean, I did a little theater. That was the biggest thing you could do, like this little theater downtown. And I, I was a newspaper boy in Gypsy. And, uh, and, <laughs> and then I was Lieutenant Cable in the, in the senior musical. Uh, but, you know, and then I was playing around town locally here and everything, but I knew that I wanted to go somewhere uh, where there was more action and, and more uh, creativity and, and more stimulating forces around me. And so when my aunt, I, I had been touring the East Coast, I had a band and uh, it was we were pretty good. We played some great spots. And I'd been in Philadelphia around 1973. Remember, Phil, uh, remember 1973? Gas crisis. Remember that, uh, Rachel? You're too young. Rachel, you're too young. You probably don't remember that. But I was born in '71. I don't remember. Yeah, nobody remembers that. But that that I was in um, I was in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, and you know I had an off night. I guess it was a Monday, and a, a business was slowing down because by that time the band had disbanded. I was doing solo gigs, just me singing and playing. And I said, let me go to New York and check it out. So I got in the car, I drove up the New Jersey Turnpike, and I went to a place called, and Richard might remember this place, Bike Stop West. Do you remember that, Richard? Well, the Emerald Queen had it. Remember the Emerald Queen? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, before, I'm before your time. Oh, that's right. This, is, this was around 1973. I don't think you were here yet. So um, anyway, so yeah, so I went there and somebody heard me playing and singing because nobody was on the piano on a Monday night. So and it was snowing outside. It was awful weather. And I said, oh, gosh, I got to drive home in this weather. Well, somebody heard me and said, how would you like to work in St. Thomas? And I thought, wow, that sounds yeah. really great right now. And so that was my beginning of leaving uh, the Cherry Hill area, actually Lindenwald, New Jersey. And so I left there a week later. It was on a plane from Philly down to St. Thomas to Charlotte Amaya. And I started working at a, at a piano bar there. And then somebody saw me there and said, how would you like to work in old San Juan? And I thought, well, that sounds great. I'll go there. So I went wow. at a place called Main Street, a little bar. Every time, every time it rained, it had a bad roof. And of course, the, the baby grand piano was right where the leak was. So oh my, my tip cup was a big Rubbermaid bucket sitting on the top of the middle of the piano that caught the, the rain leaking in. You know, but yeah, so all of that led to me coming back and going to Toronto, and then coming back to Virginia again. And so then my aunt said, well, why don't you come to New York? 
I said, well, I would like nothing better. So for six weeks, I slept on her couch on Long Island, and I worked for Burt Bacharach at Burt Bacharach's Dover House on Old Country Road. And so once, you know, once you're in New York, you're not going to leave. So I stayed, and I'm, I'm still there. Good times and bum times. <laughs> That's right, baby. <laughs> I want to, uh, I have a dear friend, uh, some of you uh, know her, Kathleen Hochberg, and she gave me this wonderful book that I want to recommend to everyone called When Action Follows Heart. Mindy, I think you to you've told me. I have a copy. You sent me a copy. I sent you a copy of this. And I do, I do read it, uh, and I give you credit that you sent it to me. Yeah, I read yeah. some of it on the show. And each day it has these actions, and I'm going to read the action for today on Smile Day. Everybody smile. Um, be a caring adult role model for a child who may be struggling by joining Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America. Um, whether you join Big Brothers or Big Sisters, um, I'm going to give my closing remarks right now. And then I'm going to give each of you a chance to give your closing remark. It could be about anything that we spoke about today that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you wish that we had uh, gotten to, but we didn't. I'll start with you, Mindy. And then when you finish, you'll pick either Rachel or Brian. And then that person will pick the last person. And don't worry about how to end the show. As soon as the uh, you say goodbye, the final credits will roll. I want to thank everybody for being here today. And I want to talk about the children uh, because, you know, I uh, talked, we all talked about our childhoods a little bit here today and the fact that our creativity all began uh, in our childhood. And so many children today are being told, don't, 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 you can't do this. You can't be that. You're not this. You're not that. And, uh, and we do not know what the long-term results are going to be. I'm going to plug my Friday show for a moment. On Friday, uh, it is National Gun Violence Prevention Day. And I have this guy, Ryan Bussey, on the show. Mm -hmm. I saw him on CNN, and I wrote to him, and I said, it would mean the world to me to have you on my show. He is a Republican. He was a member of the NRA. Um, mm -hmm. He uh, worked for Kimbler. Uh, which was in Montana, was one of the largest gun companies in the world. And uh, he, I circled this sentence at the end of his prologue. At the end of his prologue, he says, I am responsible for selling millions of guns. Wow. I bring this up because when I think of my childhood at five years of age, I was looking forward to the annual showings of the Wizard of Oz. I was uh, out running through tobacco fields in South Carolina. I was uh, dreaming of going to New York someday. I was living all of those things. Think, everybody, for just a moment uh, of what our five-year-olds are experiencing in the world today and what they are dealing with in school, what they have to deal with. Um, and when I can't even imagine having to learn school drills, one woman said to my home state of South Carolina that her five-year-old kid should be learning the alphabet and her colors. And yet she is learning how what to do if a bad man comes into. Yeah, yeah. And so we need to 
embrace our children. We need to celebrate them. And we need to instill creativity within each of them. So if there are children in your lives, even if there aren't children in your lives, find a way. Mindy, we need to get these little dolls into as many kids' homes as we possibly can. I love my Mindy doll. Uh, (laughs) There are so many things that we can do to make the world a better place. We may not be responsible for everything that's going on, but we are responsible for how we respond to it. I end every show by telling everyone to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Pick up the phone and call someone that you have not spoken to in a long time. Do that today. And I don't mean an email, a private inbox message, a text message, a phone call. And let that person know that they have made a positive impact on your life. I have a dear friend, Sean Moniger, and he always says, we're all in the same storm, but we're in different sized boats. And I always say, I don't care what size boat you're on, as long as you have a skipper by your side. (laughs) Uh, Rachel, it has been a real uh, treat getting to know you. And I hope that you will remain in touch with me. I would love to remain. Absolutely. Uh, I want to call you friend, too. Uh, So Uh with that, I'll turn it over to you, Mindy. And uh, now it's time for your final word. Okay, well, thank you, Richard, so much for inviting me for National Smile Day. I'm so glad I know about this new Smile Day, started in 2018. And um, I need to learn how to smile more. Uh, But it's about giving and receiving smiles. That's what I always say. Um, Anyway, and I was a big sister with the Big Brother Big Sister um, organization many years ago. And actually, I never had children except you set my kitty cats over the years, but I, um, it was one of the best things I've ever done is be a big sister. So I highly recommend it to anybody watching. And uh, let's see, I, you know, my, I have an online interview show. It's on most Mondays, Mondays at eight o'clock Eastern time um, on Facebook, uh, Princess Wow Network, and then on my YouTube channel, Princess Wow. And um, uh, Rachel was on recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a really, I don't know, I just really love interviewing people. And I had a radio show years ago. So it's just me getting back into it um, during the pandemic. And my new show, Woodstock or Bust, How a Hat Designer Started a Revolution, um, figuring out where it's going to land. Well, it's going to land in Pangea in New York City, but I'm actually, we're figuring out the date. And hopefully I'm going to do it in the Hudson Valley as well, where I live. And um, what else? I make hats. And this is my new doll that I got in East London. She's so cute. And in a, in a, um, you can see her. <laughs> I got her in a children's shop. Isn't she cute? She's adorable. Anyway, um, just, anyway I'm just really grateful um, to be on today and um, keep smiling, keep sweet. We all have challenges, but if you can be grateful and focus on the good, because there's always good going on, I always say, um, that helps you smile. So, uh, Rachel, you're next. Ah. Oh, what a pleasure to be on this show with you guys. It's so nice to meet you all. Brian, it's just you and me now. <laughs> um, I smile very easily in my life. And I think part of that, I think it's twofold. I think part of it is because I've always been a people pleaser and a performer. And I was just told on stage from a very young age in a ballet recital or whatever else to to smile and nobody will know if you make a mistake. And 
I have tried to carry that philosophy with me through everything I do. Um, the idea at this point in my life of obsessing over or lamenting mistakes seems almost just absurd to me because as Mindy was expressing, there is always something to be grateful for and to revel in. Um, for those of you watching who may be going through something challenging physically or mentally, I hope that um, being someone who is uh, a cancer thriver and out there kind of doing my thing to the hilt, playing music and having adventures um, encourages you to um, just realize that there are no limitations. And if people try to tell you that there are and that they're absolutely certain you can't do X, Y, Z or shouldn't try, you know, they're probably wrong because I feel like defying those predictions is, you know, is kind of the, the most exciting thing we can do in life. So I'm just very grateful to be out here on the road, on tour, singing and uh, whooping it up in the UK. And um, happy Smile Day. Um, on that note, I'm going to just share a few little watercolors I did yesterday to make myself smile because I was feeling stressed and I had the night off. So I just made some little drawings and um, this is also so that my painting teacher, Diane in Beacon, if she sees this, she knows that I'm not just forgetting to draw and paint and be expressive and take that time to kind of meditate and uh, take care of my spirit. So on that note, Brian, take it away. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Thank you. Wow. What a great time today meeting such nice people because of being here on Richard's show and getting to exchange thoughts with them. And, you know, I'm so lucky because I'm a very outgoing person. I never meet a stranger. And I, about two and a half years ago, before COVID got really bad, I met this nice uh, couple on the street. And they were from Minneapolis. Uh, and I said, are you looking for something? They looked like they were lost or they were looking maybe on a map trying to find a location. They said, oh, well, we're just here on vacation and we're you know, looking around the neighborhood. And I said, well, look, I said, this is your lucky day because I'm gonna take you on the tour, on a tour of Gramercy Park and Union Square. And so I ended up doing that for the next hour and a half. I took them to the National Arts Club. I, I took them to uh, Washington Irving's house on Irving Place, which is the other side of Lexington Avenue. And uh, Washington Irving's house is still there. And uh, I took them to the National Arts Club and we went inside. And then I took them to Union Square, which is the largest outdoor uh, fresh market in the United States. And we had a great time. And uh, anyway, I uh, enjoyed meeting them. And, and we're friends to this day. And they, they tell me, we want to come back to New York. When are you going to be in New York again? Well, I don't know uh, for sure. But usually I know like maybe 10 to 14 days ahead. And it's usually centered around a medical appointment or or going to the dentist to getting a cleaning because when I'm in New York, I have to do stuff that I need to do because I'm not there to do all my medical stuff, unfortunately. 
But anyway, you have to be grateful for, you know, uh, friends and meeting new people that add to your life and the enjoyment of life. And I'm so lucky that, you know, I like to meet people and, and uh, help them. And I think you can never go wrong if you're willing to reach out a hand and help somebody. So, Richard, thank you for having me today. It's been a real joy. And uh, Rachel and Mindy were a delight. And of course, you're always a delight. Being on stage with you is one of my pleasures in life. I always feel like I'm Ed McMahon or Doc Severinsen to Johnny Carson. So with that said, see you soon, I hope. <laughs>